This is Christchurch Selly Park. I hope everybody's here because they want to be. Um, but if you're here by accident, you're really welcome to, and I would love you to stay. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And also with you. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And so we come to the bit where we do remember that we're entering this the presence of the majestic, all-powerful God, the Lord of creation, Lord of the universe. And we come to him as sinful people, but we can come to him as forgiven people. So let's have a moment or two and then we'll say the um, confession together uh, and uh, then we'll remind ourselves of God's forgiveness. Lord God, we have sinned against you. We have done evil in your sight. We are sorry and repent. Have mercy on us according to your love. Wash away our wrongdoing and cleanse us from our sin. Renew a right spirit within us and restore us to the joy of your salvation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And so may the Father of all mercies cleanse us from our sins and restore us in his image to the praise and glory of his name through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So we gather now around God's word and we'll listen first of all to Matt Fox who's going to read us from Mark chapter 4. I haven't mentioned the theme yet. The, the theme is uh, parables about the kingdom. So um, Matt is going to be reading us a couple of parables from Mark chapter 4. And then straight after that, Bobby will be sharing her thoughts with us uh, on that passage and that theme. Thanks, Matt. Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 34. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn, first stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the corn is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning to those in the building and good morning to anyone watching uh, later in the day. I wonder how you would finish the statement, the kingdom of God is like. Maybe it's a question to ponder this afternoon or discuss over lunch. Perhaps if you think your answer might encourage others and isn't heretical, uh, then why not share it on the WhatsApp group or the Facebook groups? So to start us off, and, and I don't think this is heretical, I'm going to begin with 
the kingdom of God is like moving from the passenger seat of a car to the back of a tandem. It gives a completely different perspective on a familiar route and with some fabulous surprises. A deer I'd never have seen from the car. Watching a bird of prey hovering, ready to to pounce on something, thankfully, uh, not me. It's fantastic. And yes, those of you who have uh, seen us on our tandem, I do work hard on the back. A question most people seem to, to ask us. Now, obviously, my illustration of the kingdom of God would have been no use whatsoever to Jesus' disciples. What's a car? Was a tandem? It might not even speak to many of you. But when Jesus used illustrations, he used pictures that were familiar to his listeners. And thankfully, mostly pictures that have endured down the ages. Seeds own practices might have changed, but the fundamentals of how things grow hasn't. But before we look at these two short parables, let's be clear about what we mean by the kingdom of God. In basic terms, a kingdom is a territory where a king rules. Similarly, the kingdom of God is where God reigns. In this case, not necessarily a physical territory, even though the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. God reigns in people's hearts. R.C. Sproul suggests that Jesus speaks of a kingdom not just found in people's hearts, but of a kingdom that breaks through into this world. In other words, a kingdom that starts in people's hearts, but overflows into their behaviour and their speech and into the places where they are. In summary, the kingdom of God can be seen in all sorts of places where the people of God are to be found and God is at work. My son is a a British citizen living in Germany. He's learning the language and the culture and new ways of doing things so that he fits into that country. But for us, I think it's the other way round. Not so much that we are citizens of God trying to fit into the world that we live in, but rather that we're trying to bring the kingdom of God, God's word, God's way of doing things, God's culture into the places where he has put us. So then, what is Jesus telling us about this kingdom of God in these two short parables? In the first one, someone scatters seed on the ground Then they sleep and they rise night and day. I don't think this is saying that they are lazy and don't play their part in looking after the the crop, but rather it's expressing a passing of time. And over time, this magnificent seed transforms into a fully grown plant. It forms its own stalk, its own head of grain, all coming from that seemingly insignificant seed which leads on nicely to the second parable telling of the tiny seed growing into a great shrub big enough for birds to nest in. So what might these parables have to say to us and I've got six very short thoughts. 
The first, the kingdom of God grows from seed sown or seed scattered. The seed is the word of God, the good news of Jesus, the gospel. And we may feel that we are poor sowers of the seed. We aren't great at sharing our faith. We don't know what to say. But God can take any seed that is sown and bring about a harvest. But it is more difficult if the seed never makes it out of the packet or if the words don't make it out of our mouths. Secondly, it takes time. As we heard, the sower sleeps and rises night and day. Time passes. Maybe the sower, certainly in the first few days or even weeks, feels like absolutely nothing is happening. But it takes time for the seed of the kingdom to grow. When you sow a seed, the first thing to grow is its root under the ground, something that can't be seen at all. Stretching the parable, maybe, but experience shows that sometimes it might be a relatively short period of time and sometimes much longer until we see that plant ready for harvest. On the allotment, my radishes are ready and we've been picking those over the last week or so. My purple sprouting broccoli that I sowed the seeds of at about the same time, well, hopefully we'll be eating that next February. Be patient and faithful. It's God's timing. Thirdly, God brings about the growth. We might prepare the soil, nurture the seed, look after the young plant as it grows. But at the end of the day, it's God that brings about the growth. That isn't our responsibility. As Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, I, Paul, planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. We are fellow labourers with God. We do our bit and God does his. Fourthly, it's a mystery how God brings it about. I think seeds are brilliant. There's so much potential in such a tiny thing. If you took all brassica seeds, that's all the seeds from the cabbage family, they look exactly the same. Mixed together your radish, your sprout, your savoy cabbage, your broccoli seeds, whatever. Put them all together and it would be impossible to sort them out. And even once they're sown, those first seed leaves come up all the same shape, a sort of butterfly shape, so there's no clues there. But inside each seed is the information that makes it become the plant it was meant to be. The radish seed becomes a radish, the sprout seed, if you're lucky and I never have been, produces a harvest of sprouts. It's a mystery. 
And it's a mystery how God takes the seed of his kingdom, the seed of the gospel, and brings about growth in our hearts and lives. Each one of us different, individual, endowed with specific gifts and purposes that God has for us. In fact, I think it's more than a mystery. It's a miracle, an extraordinary work of God as he turns the seed of his word into fruit or ripe grain, into a harvest. Fifthly, the tiniest seed can bring about enormous growth. The tiny mustard seed producing a bush big enough for birds to perch in and find shade. In my preparation, I came across these words from an American pastor I had never heard of, but what he wrote really resonated with me. So I share it with you. He wrote, In the grand scheme of things, you are a mustard seed. You are small. You are tiny. Most of the people on this planet may never know your name. But God decided to save you, fill you, give you a new heart, new mind, new purpose and new direction. You can be used to bless many peoples for God's glory and his kingdom. Don't focus on the size of you. Focus on the size of the God who can use you. And finally, the end will come. Hooray, I hear you say, but I don't mean the end of my talk, so don't get too excited. Another minute yet. As we heard in the first parable, there will be a day when God will bring in the harvest, when the wheat will be separated from the weeds and the chaff and that Jesus will come again and we will be with him. While we wait for that day, let's enjoy a new perspective on life. I think COVID has taught us that life isn't the planned, linear, logical, self-aware thing that we thought it was. So instead, let's embrace life as one filled with mysteries and possibilities as we sow the tiniest of kingdom seeds and watch as God brings about the growth as he promises. Let's not leave the seeds of the kingdom in the packet unsown and ignored. Let's pay our part in bringing about God's purposes, trusting that in his good timing, we will witness the mysterious, miraculous, surprising, enormous growth of tiny seeds so full of potential. So to finish, I want to remind ourselves of of that earlier quote that I read, but this time I'm going to personalise it and pray it. I hope you will join in with me in your hearts. Dear God, in the grand scheme of things, I am a mustard seed. I am small. I am tiny. Most of the people on this planet may never know my name, but you decided to save me, fill me, give me a new heart, new mind, new purpose new direction. 
I can be used to bless many people for your glory and your kingdom. I won't focus on the size of me, but I will focus on the size of the God who can use me. Please use me, God. Amen. So let's have some final prayers before we, we go into the week ahead. Lord God, may the seed you have planted in me flourish and grow. Night and day may I become more mature, more filled with your spirit, richer in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness and self-control. And just as you nourish me through the grace of others, may I be nourishment to others I meet this week. May I play my part in spreading your kingdom over all the earth by bringing it into every corner I touch.